longtime Fox 10 newsman, now retired. Steve Kraft is back on the think tank. We're going to talk about all things 2024 election with a focus on the presidential race when he joins the show in just a moment. From KTAR News, this is The Think Tank, hosted by Dr. Mike O'Neill. Hey, Steve Kraft, welcome back. Hey, did I just hear Dr. Mike O'Neill? Yeah. I like that. Once upon a time. Can I call you Doc? You sure. Around here they do that. I couldn't stop them. So, uh, you know, we've been focused on politics uh, nonstop, it seems, uh, and... uh, the presidential race in particular. But in the um, last few days, uh, a number of things have come together and they present a situation that I I would like to get you to react to. There seems to be um, these Trump trials for assorted things. If you look at them, it looks like they're going to start in early March if there isn't some delay, but but somewhere around there, a whole bunch of these trials, March, April, man, it looks like kind of March through whenever. Um, now, that comes sort of at a point where, given that the Republicans have winner-take-all primaries and given that Donald Trump is well ahead in the Republican primary, he's likely, by the time that starts, to have the Republican nomination locked but then envision the television uh, coverage and uh, in particular one day after another we're getting reports of what he did and testimony of people who are testifying against them who if it's anything like the January 6th committees, every single one of those people testifying is going to be a Republican because they were his cronies, the people he dealt with. There were no Democrats in the bunch. So it's hard to present it. This is not a Democratic thing. This is a internal Republican Party thing. Think of then month after month of Trump did this or did he do this and this and and what on on multiple issues we have the you know January sixth the stealing of the election the 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 stuff in Georgia with the you know seemed to be smoking gun uh, tape where he's asking the Secretary of State really or trying to order the Secretary of State of Georgia hey just find me eleven thousand votes fix this election which seems to me to be as close to open and shut you know it's it's like you're trying somebody for murder and you got a video of the shooting. Uh, Envision month after month after month after that. I know his hard, his core, hardcore supports with him that maybe thirty five forty percent or something, but it's hard for me to see that doesn't whittle away at some folks around the edges. You know, kind of instinctively public Republican conservative. But geez, I you know I don't really approve of that. One interesting fact here is that the day before or just before Super Tuesday is when the federal trial in D.C. associated with the January 6th insurrection is supposed to kick off. Mm -hmm. So the timing of that is pretty heavy. I mean, if that trial is just getting underway right around the time or just before Super Tuesday when all these states could lock in. Well, there's not going to be bad evidence come out in the first day. Yeah. That'll be machinations, jury selection. Yeah, but but, but he will... He, but that's why I say he could have locked up the nomination. Super Tuesday's the biggie. He's liable to carry that. And, yeah, the trial is about to begin. Maybe. The bad stuff hasn't happened yet. Yeah, but I think there could be a, kind of an approaching wave 
just in the week or so before mm-hmm. Super Tuesday that turns off some voters and may not make it as much of a slam dunk as you think? Well, turns off some voters uh, would be, you're not talking about Republicans in the primary, are you? Well, yeah, I think there are some Republicans in the primary who are going to waver by the time we get mm-hmm. to that point. I'm not sure that his support is going to be quite as rock solid as mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of Trump partisans. But remember, but, you know, if he's at four, if he's more or less ahead by 40 to 20 or something like that, which in winner take all land is good enough to get you all the delegates. Let's say it drops to 30, 35, somewhere in there. He's still winning. He's Big still, leaps you know, can evaporate, though. And if he mm-hmm. doesn't win in, say, Iowa caucuses and New Hampshire... Which are not great states for him. Which are not great states for him. Uh, and the perception is that he's sort of wounded. Oh, yeah. And that he's, you know, taken on water. I'm mixing mm-hmm. metaphors here a little bit. You're probably right, but not necessarily. Yeah, well, th- these are all probabilistic assertions. And you are in the probability you know, business. Yeah, you know, I'm in the, in the probability. And that, the, of course... The fact that it's probabilities is what makes it interesting. I'm starting with the premise that he looks like a near lock for the nomination. Right. You're suggesting, no, there could be a scenario. And, and I believe you're right, right that if there is a scenario, it's a, the double whammy of Iowa and New Hampshire. Right. And then all of a sudden the stories are, what happened to Donald Trump? Yeah. Where he's weak and who's the, who's the new? And, but then there has to be a single rising star because he's got right. eight other people on the day. As they split the vote eight ways, that he, you know, he still wins. It's, we need somebody out of that group to be ascended right. at that point. But that's why all these people are on that stage. Sure. They're hoping to be that person, yeah. that consensus person they can rally around if, if Donald Trump isn't the guy. Yeah. But then complicating everything, as we were talking about, going forward is you're looking at an electoral map that tilts Republican. Looking, because of the configuration of states, right. the overrepresentation of rural areas, Correct. because of you get the number of uh, right. uh, votes in the electoral college equal to your congressional plus the Senate, so Correct. it overrepresents the right. rural, which so are the, Trump right. areas. And then you have a couple other candidates who might get in the race. Mm-hmm. You might have a no labels candidate, could be Joe Manchin getting mm-hmm. in the race, and Cornell West. Uh, can peel off key Democratic votes, yeah. college towns, Madison, yeah. Ann Arbor, yeah. Tempe, you know, uh, Flagstaff. Yeah. There are voters out there who might think voting for the Democrats isn't solving enough of my problems. Mm-hmm. And I like what the Cornell West candidacy is about. If you siphon off just enough votes, uh, and as we were mentioning, you know, if the no labels mm-hmm. are heavily funded by Republican groups. Just yep. for that reason. And they are. Have, they try to pretend they are down right. the road. But if you look at the funding of them, that's a Republican operation. Right. So uh, we're looking at, I think, a very competitive election, mm-hmm. even if Donald yeah. Trump is facing all these charges. And plus, the reality is, I think, because long ago and far away, I did practice law. Mm-hmm. I think that um, these cases are going to be kicked down the road. They'll come up with a million creative ways mm-hmm. to delay them. The judges are going to try hard to keep them on schedule. Mm-hmm. But um, the reality, I think, is that most of these are going to be litigated after the election, yeah. not before. And, of course, yeah, we have dates right now for most of these, and I'm suggesting they could come all at once. They can only move in one direction. They can move back. They can't move forward. Right. Though I think one of the judges, I, th- I think it was Georgia, sort of threatened that, hey, if you don't uh, basically stop violating my order not to tamper with the witnesses and mm-hmm. things like that, I can always move this trial up. Because the only other right. alternative is to revoke his bail, and it's hard to see that happening. Yes. And a case that seems like a slam dunk, there are people out there who probably don't believe uh, the recording. 
that they hear. They don't believe the videos that they watch. Yeah. We're in that kind of environment in yeah, this don't, country. Don't believe your, you. Who are you going to believe, me or your lying eyes? That's right. And it only <laughs> takes one juror to yeah. get a mistrial. And which will be touted as a victory. Which will be a victory. It might be 11 to 1 for conviction, but right. he'll wave it as a, right. as a victory if he, if he so gets that. Yeah. Jury consultants are very crucial in all these cases, mm-hmm. for sure. But, uh, yes, it seems like the evidence is pretty strong in a number of these cases, but nothing's for certain. So... Um, the one of the things about the cases that uh, that uh, I, I just found out about, and you can confirm as an attorney, I understand that the setting of the date of a trial by the judge is not an appealable decision. Sounds about right. And uh, you know, so the that's judge one, runs runs the procedure. Judge runs, runs the, court. the court, and that's yep. you know, there are things you can appeal. You can appeal things uh, during or after a trial if you think that a a judge has made an error with respect to the application of mm-hmm. law, but that's that's within discretion. So if a judge is adamant about not moving something, that right. becomes a factor. Now, of course, some of these cases are more more likely, I think, for that to happen. The Georgia case with 17 defendants and some of them trying to sever and others not, and one of the, one or more of the people in Georgia said, "I want to, you know, I want a trial, yeah, a quick trial, like October or something right. like that of this year, right." Can muddy the waters. Yeah. I, huh? I I just think having watched an awful lot of trials drag yeah. on for a very long time, I would be surprised if we have a verdict in any of these trials before the election. That'd be a good thing to bet on, one way or the other. Yeah, yeah. I think I think you make a pretty good argument for for uh, voters. However, is I would think wouldn't a fair minded voter? Isn't that something you'd want to know? Of course. You know. Yeah. I mean, that's the whole point. But the political reality of it is if you're uh, on the Trump campaign, you want this thing to be pushed, pushed, pushed down the mm-hmm. road. And well, wanna... first of all, uh, and I, I think this has been accepted too much, but uh, there's the notion that, well, for a federal case, which means everything but Georgia um, and the civil case in New York, New York is a civil case, uh, but uh, it means that uh, they think they could self, that he could self-pardon. Now, I... That has never been tested, so I think uh, I think you could do some interesting legal speculation on that. Uh, with the argument being that uh, founders never envisioned a self pardon, it wasn't. You know, I think if you go into the discussions and all, you won't see any discussion. I think it was not anticipated, and it kind of defeats the logic. Of course, it defeats a lot. All these things defeat the logic of a pardon because pardons have typically been. Given in almost every case, I think there's three cases in American history where people were pardoned before conviction, and the pardons usually presume that you have uh, contrition, <laughs> acceptance of responsibility, and then you and usually uh, have people have served some serious time. In fact, in the Georgia case, it's my understanding that uh, you aren't allowed to uh, consider a pardon or, or parole even until somebody served five years. And that case may become a federal case. It may be tried in federal court, but still on state charges. That changes the complexion of the case, I think. If if the jury pool is much wider, uh, mm-hmm. the, the chances of getting potentially a mistrial are greater. Mm-hmm. Um, Meaning getting one holdout yes. uh, or, juror or, who says, I'm not going to convict right. Trump. Right. You know, so that, that's a complicating factor, but... 
Regarding the question about pardons in the Supreme Court and can the president pardon himself, three of the people on the Supreme Court are, were installed there by President Trump. Mm-hmm. There might be some residual loyalty there. I'm not so sure they're going to be trying to sift uh, through the historical record of what George Washington might have thought would yeah. be the proper way to do things. Yeah. I don't know how much. I think he, they are very conservative, and that can come down in different ways. We mm-hmm. may remember, if you go back to Watergate, days, Judge Sirica was considered about as conservative a, a jurist as there was on the D.C. bench. Right. And uh, he cracked that case when the first Watergate burglars were up for sentencing. He threw the book at him. Yeah. And, he was called and, Maximum John. Yeah. And I, th- I think he gave him 20 years or something. And yeah. there all of a sudden, wait a minute, I was thinking I'd do three or four years and have a pile of money waiting for me right. when I got mm, 20 years. Wait a minute. It's time to talk. Right. <laughs> and, Which is what happened. Yeah. And uh, uh, that may be, you know, the, the, you know, and also, how much loyal do you get? First of all, these justices or any of the jurists who are appointed by Trump, um, they basically can't get anything from him at this point. Particularly at the Supreme Court level, they're not going to get promoted. There's no better job out there for him, uh, so they're independent. You know, they were chosen because they had certain views. And and if you're talking about issues like abortion or some of some of the other hot, they were vetted on those points. You know, some of these folks are, you know, conservative used to mean law and order, <laughs> you know, and uh, that may be that may not come down the way you think it would. I mean, the you know, the, the pretty conservative co- uh, court came out nine zero against Nixon. There was a a point beyond which, you know. This could be, and of course, the court has to worry about its own legitimacy. Mm-hmm. And and the current chief justice, in particular, is very worried about yes, that. Yes, he is. So he sure is. So, so what do you? So we got this scenario. Uh, you've suggested that uh, uh, the scenario where Trump might be in jeopardy. But what about the other one? Let's say he gets more likely than not. I think you'd agree he gets the nomination uh, because of the early loading. And I also suggest if there's going to be any change in voters, it's more likely to be not among Republican primary voters, but amongst the sort of wavering, you know, the independents, the true independents. You know, half of our independents are really partisan one way or the other. You know, people there is a core of people who like to call themselves independent, but they habitually vote for one party. Yeah. They just the don't other. want to be identified. Right. They like the identity. Yeah. Everybody has their own point of view. And there is a small number. It's enough to we're a 50 50 enough country that that is small enough number that it can determine the outcome. If all the true independents went one way, probably game over. That's why we have Governor Hobbs. There were enough Republicans who didn't want to get on the Kerry Lake bandwagon. And particular independents that weren't. Yeah. They yes. say, I vote, vote for. And that, and that was an interesting case because it wasn't only, it was really the top three offices. I, I, th- I think uh, Kimberly Yee may have been the beneficiary of that. I and, see. and Tom Horn, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Bit. Where they where they said, well, wait a minute, I voted for Democrat mm-hmm. for governor and secretary of state and attorney general. Barely for Oh, agent. my God. I'm, I'm uh, yeah. you know, I just voted for three days. I got to vote Republican yeah. for the rest of the ticket. Yeah. And uh, which were relatively anonymous offices. Right. Tom Horn education being in between, sort of an in between category, but right. certainly treasurer is anonymous, and right. and all the other you know corporation commissioner right. has been raised to higher salience in the past, but was not this time. The Repu- Republicans, the the non Trump Trump Republicans swept every statewide office. <laughs> 
And one thing that we haven't really talked about with respect to the presidential election is the abortion issue. You know, this is the continuing political fallout of this issue is so powerful. We just saw this election mm-hmm. in Ohio, which was a very solid yep. Yep. defeat for people who wanted to change the Constitution. And what, they, what that was is it wasn't in, it was only indirectly abortion. They wanted mm-hmm. to change the law to require a 60 percent of the vote of the people to change the Constitution right. because the conservatives were afraid that in this November that a majority of voters will enshrine abortion as a right in the Constitution. Right. So by setting a 60 percent threshold in this country on most issues, you can't get 60 percent for anything. But they didn't come close to winning that. Yeah. The Arizona voting public has historically been far more moderate than the legislature. And the legislature knows that and they um, want to protect their prerogatives and they don't like, they've challenged most initiatives that they don't like. They've fought tooth and nail in court to throw out signatures and then to find a technical reason why a particular ballot is not. Terry Goddard lost once uh, where he got the vote and everything, but there was something about the way it was constructed on uh, uh, dark money. He had to go, you know, three bites at the apple before. And, And they knew that this was a very popular thing. So if they got a correctly written law that would pass Supreme Court scrutiny, there's no way, no power on earth that was going to stop that from being voted in. And we now have that. It would be very interesting to see um, whether that get, gets, in effect, evaded or if that has enough teeth in it to, to really change our politics and make the expenditure of, of large funds uh, visible to the people. This, mm. will be, this coming election will be our first uh, it will tr- be interesting. jump yep. on that. Absolutely. It may change things. Yep. But I do think that on a national level, with respect to the presidential race, the the Roe versus Wade fallout mm-hmm. is going to be like a steady drumbeat. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's going to be a very powerful part of this. And it's interesting because I think the common thread on, on abortion issue is that the party that's losing has always been the most activated. And for right. 50 years, that was the, that activated group was the anti-abortion group. And uh, the recent court decision flipped that on its ear. But the reality in this country has always been that about 40 percent of the people are passionately Mm pro-life and about 60 percent of the people are not. And that Mm -hmm. that's been playing out in these elections. Mm -hmm. And it played out in polling, which was really pretty right on. Actually, I'd describe it more. I think there's three groups. You have the passionately pro-life group, which less than 40. You have the absolute abortion under all circumstances. And the kind of the fulcrum has been a pretty good sized group in the middle. They want a reasonable compromise. Right. It's not not no holes barred. It's not abortion on whim, the notion. uh, But uh, which is why both sides always raised uh, the more extreme arguments. You know, the the anti-abortion people will say, oh, you know, partial birth, nine and nine months, mm-hmm. da, 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 which is, of course, incredibly rare. And they're always medically yeah. complicated. No, circumstances. And nobody let's let's right. realize nobody likes the concept of terminating a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. I mean, nobody. Yeah. And it's something that's emotionally fraught for everybody. Yeah. And, and the flip side has been the 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 anti-abortion people or rather the the people who are pro-choice have waved the other side saying they want to, you know, well, they'll wave a case like the 10-year-old right. in Ohio who got raped and got pregnant 
and uh, was prohibited, and no doctor in that state would take the case because of the existing law. That right. you know, and and both sides are waving around these things, which are horrific and rare. Correct. Yeah. You know, and and really, mm-hmm. most of the the real, if you were to go to the general public, it's very much in the middle. It's sort of like, uh, you know. It's probably pretty close to Roe v. Wade, which was, you know, first trimester, pretty much fine. Third trimester, pretty much not. In between, We saw this last presidential debate. Republicans wrestling with, okay, what can we settle on so we can win elections, Mm -hmm. not anger a lot of people who are drifting away from us because of this issue? Mm -hmm. What is a reasonable, what is reasonable for us as Republicans? The problem is that a lot of their core base of support are folks who don't want to be reasonable. That's the fight, big fight in the Republican Party. It's yep. the pragmatists who want to win an election, and then the mission people who are absolutist in their positions and and saw the Republican Party as a vehicle for getting, and, and largely, they, and like in the case of abortion, they've largely been successful. Yes, and, they have. And the Republicans in the, you know, in the Arizona legislature, given their choice, would but they, they in effect did outlaw abortion completely. Right. And of course, we're wondering if we're going to have that 1864 law ultimately control yeah. abortions yeah. in this state or not. And, and that's still in the offing right now. However, uh, there is like to be, likely to be on the ballot an abortion rights initiative, which uh, I think scares the Republicans because, A, they're likely to lose that vote, and B, they're afraid that it will draw Democrats in Absolutely. larger numbers in to vote. They've been hemorrhaging support among suburban women. Yeah, and that's exactly the group. Yep. That, that's that exactly group. educated right. uh, suburban women who are traditionally a little bit on the Republican side. Yes, they are. And but but when you come to the, the there's a an ill fit between them and Repub, current Republican orthodoxy on that issue. I think the Republican Party is going to have to come to some sort of uh, agreement as a party on what to do about this. And it won't be what the people who are most firmly pro-life want. No. But, it'll, you know, the, here's my question. Can they really do that? Or are, are they two factions that are inherently incompatible that ultimately have to part their way? Of course ways? they can do that because nobody wants to lose cycle after cycle. <laughs> and if it's a, like sports analogy, if you're mm-hmm. if your football team is losing every year, eventually you're going to shake things up. And if it doesn't work out electorally, everybody wants to win. And yep. they will come to some sort of agreement. And both parties wrestle. Well, that's the pra- that's a pragmatist side, and then right. they got the absolutist who they need their votes and they need to keep them happy. But how long and, can that go on? How um, long can you go on losing every two years before um, somebody says, "Okay, let's let's tweak it. Let's do something different. Let's allow the morning after pill." When you're the when, when you're the well, in the case of abortion, it's now most early abortions are uh, medical. Absolutely, they're, they're, you take a pill. Yes. And they're, but they're trying to outlaw that. Yeah, I know. And and that's probably the hardest thing because sure, we're getting you know. those across state lines. There's yes. a lot of stuff going yeah. on there. And so well, I think ultimately this will be resolved, like all big crises are in America, in well, inside a party. But Democrats usually, have their own I, what's different, too. I think, is that historically the pragmatist ultimately you when you are losing, you get pragmatic, and then you win and you try to get your full agenda, which right. ticks off the middle. Right. Both sides on that one. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you very much, Steve Kraft. Hope you come back again. Great discussion. I love it. If you'd care to reach me, Mike O'Neill, there is a website, mikeoneill.org, and that has links to email and social media. Love to hear from you. Mm-hmm.